Libby Writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea. We have a great show for you today. Another one of those interviews that's a little bit off the beaten path. Today we have Cruz Oguz on the show. Cruz is a hybrid athlete who is currently a track athlete at Mississippi State, but that is just the beginning of his story. He was one of the better kicking prospects coming out of high school at Bio Academy there in Cleveland, Mississippi. He will eventually kick for the Mississippi State football team, but he's into a sport called tricking, which I'll let him explain it to you when we get into the show. He's going to explain it better than I can, but he's basically a certified ninja. He does all kinds of different flips and acrobatic stuff that neither you or I could do. And he somehow turned that into a large social media presence doing trick kicks. There's a couple videos of him doing backflips and while making a field goal at the same time. It's He's a very fascinating kid. He's a fascinating story. He's of Turkish descent. His father was a Turkish swimmer who came to the United States to swim in college at Delta State, ended up staying in Cleveland. He's got a great story. We talked about his path into becoming a large social media influencer hybrid athlete as he calls it but a really really wild story if you want to get prepped for this interview i would go to his instagram cruise.oguz and just watch some of his videos it is pretty wild stuff so we talked about his path as the son of a swimmer how he got into tricking how he turned that into being able to monetize it on social media all the way up to somehow becoming a track athlete and a potential football player at mississippi state so i promise you enjoy this interview buckle up before we get to that they wanted to remind you Podcast is also brought to you by Rent the Sip Oxford. Their Turnberry location sleeps eighth comfortably, less than a mile from the Ole Miss campus, right off there, right off Old Taylor Road. There, it is gated. It offers amenities such as tennis courts, a sauna. Again, sleeps eight comfortably. They have availabilities for Mercer. Vandy and ULM football weekends. Please go check them out. It can be hard to find a place to stay in Oxford, particularly on big weekends. Or maybe you're just passing through on a random night or a random weekend and you're looking for a place to stay, want to have some more space, have a larger crew with you, don't want to screw with the hotel. This is the perfect place for you. It's nice. It's a straight shot to campus. You can walk to campus. It is one of the best locations in Oxford. Go online today at rentthesipoxford.com and check availabilities. Use the promo code RIPPYWRITES for 100 bucks off any two-night stay. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on this. Go to rentthesipoxford.com. If you've got plans to come to Oxford in the future, this is the place to be. It is a steal of a deal in a town that can often be hard to find places to stay. Check them out. RentTheSipOxford.com. It is Bracken Ray, friend of the pod. He wouldn't steer you the wrong way. Please take advantage of this deal. RentTheSipOxford.com. Use that promo code RippyWrites and get 100 bucks off any two-night stay. Podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. Ain't that the truth? I couldn't do this podcast without Seaspire's awesome internet. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides itself in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local service, industry low, call wait time. Seaspire provides one gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of the brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call Seaspire or go online, cspire.com slash home today and use the promo code RIPPY, that's R-I-P-P-E-E, for one month of free service. So if you're thinking about changing internet, that's one month of free service just for telling them you listen to this podcast and you get the best home internet on the market. Seaspire, customer inspired. 
All right, here is hybrid athlete and certified ninja. I may have made that last part up, but trust me, it makes sense. Cruz Oguz. All right, we now welcome on Mississippi State hybrid athlete, Cruz Oguz. You might be the first, actually not might be, you are the first Mississippi State athlete on what I guess can be considered an Ole Miss pod, but my guy Michael Portner set me up with you. We just love having interesting people on the show. I appreciate you joining me, man. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? But yeah, anyways, I'm excited. It's the diversity of it. You know what I mean? Spread, spreading the wings a little bit. That's exactly right. So I, I don't know how to describe you. I know you run track at Mississippi State. You call yourself a hybrid athlete. I think I called you to Michael a ninja. Um, That might be what you might want to look into upgrading your uh, terminology there. Yeah. But you are a kicker, track athlete, internet sensation for doing just ridiculous physical stuff. If somebody outside of track was like, hey, how would you describe yourself? What would you call yourself? Well, um. I, I discovered the term hybrid athlete when I saw this guy on Instagram posting kind of the same thing. He was like a do, squatting 500 or like 405 in the morning and then running like an ultra marathon in the afternoon or something like that. I'm like, wait a minute. I can kick a football. I'm on the track team. I do the decathlon. You already have to be like do a bunch of different stuff for the decathlon. That's like 10 events. Um, I could do like flips, you know, so I kind of like, wait a minute, I can do that. So I kind of compiled some videos of me doing it. And I've been posting that for couple weeks that I had one uh, Instagram reel blow up. It's, it should hit a million views by tomorrow. So that's that's exciting. That's very exciting. And then my uh, my follower count has been shooting up from like 2,000. It should hit 10,000 followers pretty soon. And that, I know that looks good for uh, people looking for NIL athletes. Absolutely. So you went to Bayou Academy, Cleveland, Mississippi. Talk about weird pronunciations. We were ta- I was asking you how to say your last name before. Cruz Oguz, American way. Give me the Turkish way again because it sounded a hell of a lot cooler, even though Cruz Oguz does rhyme. So when I'm in Istanbul, when I'm at my grandma's house, everybody says, when I when they open the door to let me in, they're like, oh, Cruz Oguz. This is like Cruz Oguz. It's like, you know, their way of saying it. Cruz Oguz. But, uh, I like yeah, that. We, yeah, yeah. It rolls off the tongue. So you you went to Bio Academy in Cleveland, Mississippi. I had read from some online articles when I was kind of prepping for this interview that you were of like Turkish descent. And I thought like that was like off the surface. I was like, well, he's, he went to high school in Cleveland, Mississippi. And like, unless he's like off a boat or something, like it's a weird thing to mention. But you mentioned your grandmother's back in Istanbul. Are you like a first, second generation immigrant? Like you're you're pretty connected to Turkey. Right. So um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side was actually born in North Macedonia. And he came to uh, Turkey, met my grandmother, obviously, and uh, my dad. Then they had my dad. And my dad swam pretty much his whole life. He swam for two competitive club teams in um, in Istanbul. And then he got good enough to come to the United States on a swim swim scholarship with Delta State, which is where Ronnie Myers discovered him. And then he met my mom there and then came out me. <laughs> <laughs> so that shortens the backstory. I was playing catch up a little bit, but you mentioned your dad being on a swim scholarship. I was about to ask how the hell a kid from a Turkish descent ends up in Cleveland, Mississippi. But as soon as you said Delta State, I was like, there we go. That yeah, makes yeah. Sense. So grew up in the Mississippi Delta. Um, very interesting place. I uh, I always joke with Michael. I hope he doesn't listen to this episode because I will have to unfortunately admit that he's one of the smartest people I know. But when I first met him in college, he was like, I was valedictorian in my high school. And then I figured out it was like Bio Academy. I was like, oh, so you beat out like nine other kids. And I always used to give him shit about that. But he's one of the smartest people I know. Growing up in the Mississippi Delta, I know it's like all you've ever known. But like you didn't have like generations and roots of family that had been there or farming or whatever the case may be. Like at what age did you kind of like, okay, I'm in like a small town 
in like kind of the middle of nowhere? Like, when did you kind of feel like realize that like, okay, like Mississippi Delta of all the places I could land, like this is a very interesting place, if that makes sense. So um, obviously like the majority of people are down here are like Italian, like the Italian deltas or whatever. So most of the people, if they didn't have like a super standard last name, like Smith or something, they yeah. have like that Italian, like, like Foccaretti or Ciccarelli or something like that. So the most of the people come from like the same, place but it was super interesting because i always thought i didn't really fit in i always wanted to live like in europe i always wanted to kind of go back and live in turkey because i thought it was like the coolest thing ever my dad would, would tell me like oh dude you got it so lucky here you got all these like open fields like you have free public fields to train at you have free gym gyms to train at you have the best facilities like just open to you and he does i don't really realize um i didn't really realize the opportunities that i had until i actually went to istanbul for the first couple of times it's so like packed you know what i mean the way of living is okay but i just it's just hard to focus on one thing because you have to survive one and then getting around is one thing and then finding places to train and like better yourself your physicality and musculature it's just uh it's just a whole different thing so yeah it was it was a bit weird knowing that i uh grew up in such a small town that i'm actually very surprised because when i'm in starkville when they ask me like where i'm from i'll be like oh cleveland They're like ohio cleveland ohio they have no idea what it is <laughs> so um yeah so well, how often do you go back, like, as a kid, like, how often did you go back to Istanbul or just Turkey in general? And when was, like, kind of the first time you remember going back and being like, okay, whoa, like, my family's from a different country. Like, what was that kind of like? I remember the first time I went there in my memory was 2014. And um, that was with my whole family. And my mom was never big on traveling. So that was actually her last time ever going to Turkey. But she travels everywhere for her work. But anyway, um, then I went again in 2017. And then again in 2021, and I just got back a couple of weeks ago from Turkey. So that's definitely the last time I'm going to go there in a minute. I just wanted to get one more out of the way, like seeing my seeing my grandma, seeing all the family over there, because I got like a million different cousins over there that definitely wanted to see me before I head off to college. So, Can you speak Turkish? I can. Yeah, I can speak fluent Turkish. Is that something you just learned from your parents or is that something they wanted you to learn? Like how difficult, because again, you grew up, you're born and raised in Mississippi Delta, your family's from Turkey. Like, what was it like learning a second language? I imagine you know, Southern draw English was probably your first language. What was it like kind of balancing that and actually speaking Turkish? Yeah. So I actually learned Turkish and English at the same time. And even now, like I, I just tried to learn like French and Romanian recently. And it's like, how do you even learn this stuff? Like, how, how did I even learn English? Because, you know, it, it just kind of pops into your to your head when they are. Oh, I just know English. That's just what I grew up with. So that's kind of what it's always been for Turkish. I'm always impressed with people that know multiple languages. I did an internship covering Major League Baseball uh, right when I got out of school about a half decade ago or so. And I remember a couple guys in the Reds clubhouse, like the, uh, the uh, Latin American or Caribbean or Hispanic players in general, like they would, they knew a lot of them knew English, but they would use a translator when they spoke to the media. And it's not because they couldn't speak English. They were, it was almost like a crutch in, in this day and age of media and things blowing up. I totally get it. Like they didn't want something to be interpreted the wrong way because, you know, they're still like brushing up on their English. Like how difficult it is, is it to balance the two languages? You mentioned like learning them at the same time, but I, from well, people that I've talked to that have spoken different languages is like, you don't understand, like speaking Spanish, like it's so different from English and like the cadence and what words means and how words sound. How was like, was that difficult for you all to learn both at the same time? What is that kind of like? So um, ever since me growing up, I never really like think I struggled with it because it just has always been in my memory from like my earliest 
uh, memories. I just kind of knew how to speak Turkish, but there's definitely like, uh, as far as slang goes in Turkey, obviously I don't live there. You know, how people have like slang in, yeah. you know, uh, like y'all or something here. I, I don't pick up on that. So when I do go to Turkey, I'm not like 100% fluent. Cause they'll, they'll say some things. I'm like, wait, hold on. Can you repeat that again? Like say it in like stage proper, but, um, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely some slang I can't pick up sometimes. I imagine it opened your eyes to the world a decent bit too, because I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. I one of my bigger regrets is not like looking around for different places to go to college. My parents were Ole Miss people. I always figured that's kind of where I wanted to go. And then I got a couple years into college. I love my time at Ole Miss. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, man, there's kind of this great big world out there. I would have wish I would have looked a little harder. I feel like you having that Turkish descent and traveling to another country that probably opened your eyes at a young age to just how big the world is and how much opportunity there is out there. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. From such an early age, my dad brought me to so many countries. Um, he brought me to uh, Italy, France. Uh, we went on a cruise. We just uh, went all through Italy. I mean, all through uh, Europe, too. So that was definitely eye opening. And I think the um, the way you see people live there, there's so much more like the streets are so much smaller. They have so much more like vendors. They have more people trying to hustle you a little bit for, out of your money. <laughs> so I think like I don't, I don't know. Another thing I noticed that like the majority of those places is so hard to and it made me more like grateful that I have this in America, but like grocery stores, if you found a store that was like a grocery store, they call it like a, like a market, they call it a supermarket, even though it's like a little gas station, the equivalent to a gas station in America. It's so hard to find like protein there. Like the diet, it was, um, it was so, so, so high in carbohydrates and fats. So it was kind of hard to stay, I guess, anabolic for lack of a better word. So that the two weeks that I was in Turkey, it was yeah. It was a bit hard to stay on top of the diet and the and the the, the bodybuilding and just keeping the the muscles there and the training. But uh, yeah, so it, it's definitely a bit third world. But I really think all the traveling has just really made me come to appreciate what I have here. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, I want to get into kind of how you became what you became and what you do. And I guess like the best way I think to ask it is so we're obviously not in person. We're over Zoom. But I am uh, like five seven with uh baseball spikes on and about a buck 40. So like my dad got me into golf early because he fell in love with golf. And that's kind of what I ended up playing because, you know, I <laughs> basketball, football, I don't know if my body type would translate to that regardless, but I did like, you know, youth baseball and all that stuff growing up, but your parents being from Turkey coming to the United States, getting into kind of what you do now, did you have a sport that you started in that you gravitated to? What was that kind of like, what was your first sport that you really caught on with? Absolutely. So um, my dad, he was like I said, he was a swimmer his whole life. And I guess naturally he wanted his son to be a swimmer. And sure. that's cool because I remember for the longest time I was so excited to finally get in the pool. I just I just wanted to be like my dad so bad. So um, I remember my first swim practice. I was four years old. He was taking me from school. I was so excited for my first swim practice. And uh, I pretty much jumped in the water. Cause I, I could swim. I knew how to tread water cause we had a pool in our backyard. I jumped in the water. I was going to do my first ever lap with like, you know, there's assistant that helps you kind of float a little bit. And I freaked out. I totally flipped <laughs> out because, because I'll tell you what, they probably shouldn't have done this. No hate on how my parents raised me, but they let me watch like shark movies, like Jaws yeah. and whatnot. <laughs> I was absolutely terrified of like deep waters. Cause it was, it was like a 12 foot pool. It wasn't deep at all, but I was just like, so scared. There's going to be like a shark in the, you know, in the aquatic center for some reason. But anyway, I, I, I kind of stuck with that. I got over it. My dad said, all right, listen, I'm a swimmer. You can't be a baby about it. So I got over that and I swam, ended up my competitive swimming year was nine to 10 years. I quit 
I started when I was four and I quit when I was 15 years old. So yeah, about, that's probably 11 years. So um, after that, my dad was just like, all right, you know, be useful. He quotes Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time because Arnold Schwarzenegger, his dad told him, be useful. If you're not going to swim, you got to be useful in something. So what I did was um, I'd been playing park commission football before that. And I always kind of liked football. I like kicking the ball because every day before I, after I got home from school, before swim practice, I try to like kick a football over a power line with a little kickoff tee. So I've always kind of been into kicking a football. But um, that was when uh, that was after middle school had rolled around and I played middle school football. I was going on a freshman at that point and uh i made the kicker for my high school team and then i had an okay season for a freshman you know and then uh covid obviously covid rolled around and from that point on i found this thing called tricking on social media on instagram youtube and there were these people that posted all these like crazy flips because i could do like a back flip and a front flip at that point because i thought those were like pretty basic things but that a lot of people it's like a cool party trick you know and at that point i thought i had known like all the flips you know what i mean like i could go front and i could do a back flip that's it that's all the flips that there are but i was just so amazed that they were doing all these twists off one leg like multiple back flips off of one leg i was just totally mind blown and um that was kind of the same time i had discovered like gymnastics tumbling too but um i went i went out that same day i found a youtube video they had a tutorial on like a twist flip that i learned it's called the, the butterfly twist and i went out and learned that in the day and I was just like addicted to it ever since then. So I started uh religiously training flips for like three like three years and I kinda like definitely slowed down on the flips ever since, you know, ramping up for training for college for Mississippi State. But um I really uh I what was it next? Yeah, I was really into the flips when I switched from Cleveland Central High School to a uh to this private school bio academy. And the football coach told me, look, if you want to be a better football player, you got to run track. Running track is going to make you a better football player. So I was like, ah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. So um, I ran track that year, and I was pretty surprised at the fact that I was like, I was pretty good at track. And I think a lot of people ask me, oh, I can't believe you only did two years of track. You started out your junior year, and then then you go into, you know, not to toot my own horn, but then you go into SEC schools. Like, they're, they're pretty surprised by it. And I tell them I attribute it to the flips because if you – it takes time to get really good at flips, but in that same time, you're building fast twitch muscles. You're building the size like your legs and you're being, getting really explosive, building up the explosiveness. So I did that, and I think that really helped me be a sprinter in track, and I was pretty good at track. And then over the summer, I got recruited to a Mississippi State, and uh, I really wanted to play football um, and get recruited to play football, but I'm still, like, super, super, you know, gracious, super uh, – thankful that I got the opportunity to be at SEC school regardless. And then I trained super hard for my um, senior year track, went undefeated. And then I, uh, yeah. And then from then on at that point, I just kept training for everything else. I threw a shot put as well in track too, but that's how I kind of got into really just kicking, um, tricking, which is the flips that I do. Cause I still train them like on campus. I'll, I'll see some people on campus. They'll like, kind of like be slick and record me about it, but yeah. And then <laughs> football as well. So uh, yeah. You mentioned that's a pretty unique path into what like what you actually do, because like, you know, a lot of kids start out in like youth baseball and whatnot, and then they'll play like basketball and then they'll get into like peewee football and kind of find their groove where it sounds like for you, you became a swimmer. Like you mentioned, for like 11 years, then you mentioned you got started getting like addicted to like the flip aspect of it and it being a cool party trick. But there has to be a moment of realization of like, wait a minute, like I can do 
some shit that a lot of people can't do. Like, when did you actually realize like you had the flexibility and the athletic ability out of the pool or whatever it is to like actually do this kind of stuff? Like at what point were you like, oh man, I can actually tumble through the air like that? Um, I guess it was when uh when yeah, when kind of COVID rolled around, I'm like, oh well, I can do a twist flip. No one was like super impressed by the back flip and the front flip. But when I started getting to that twisty stuff, I kind of like my ego blew up just a little bit back then. <laughs> my head kind of grew. And I was like, oh, man, people, yeah, I'm the coolest guy on earth. I can do all these twist flips. I can do stuff people, a lot of people can't do. But then I'd be humbled when I like watch videos. I'm like, oh, this is my aspiration. I got to be just like that. So I guess I kind of like always, or not always, but every couple of years ago, thought that I could do things that a lot of people couldn't do. And um, it didn't really hit me when I realized that I could do as many things as I could until – a couple months ago, I thought I was just like above average at the stuff that I did. But when I really like pull, saw that one guy, it was Jack Jack Fitness on Instagram. When I saw that one guy post that one thing, I was like, wait a minute, I can do that stuff. I really said like, man, I, I can label myself as a hybrid athlete. Same day, I put it in my Instagram bio and I just started like telling everybody this is what I do. You know, check out the, the videos on Instagram. And I've had a lot of people um, ask me about tips. Like I remember, especially from India, I don't know why, but like – 75% of the commenters on that post and the DMs I'm getting are just from like Indian people. And they're, I'm super, super like thankful that they're doing it. But at the, at the, um, the age of 18 years old, it would be so easy for like my ego to just explode and for me to just get super cocky. But I tried to like, look, like take a deep breath, withdraw, answer as many like people that DM'd in the best way possible to like, give them tips on mindset and how I got to the place that I want to be. And then, I made a video pretty much telling people how they can start. And it's not really just about going out and trying a million different sports. You first have to be, uh, you have to have the good the mindset. And pretty much what I explained to them in the video is you before you can be um, motivated, you have to be disciplined. It's so easy to watch the video that I posted because they were saying, oh, dude, I'm so motivated by the video. It's like, nah, it's easy to be motivated by the video, but it's hard to be disciplined when most professional athletes are ready to train. They're not motivated. They're, they stay in disciplines. Like maybe like 5% of the time I can get excited for training. The rest of 95% of the time is pure discipline. Just going in there, waking up and doing what I, what I have to do, not what I want to do. Cause that's, what's going to drag you out of bed. Discipline is, is going to, is going to be what's dragging you out of bed, not being motivated. If you're unmotivated, you're going to stay in that bed. You're going to stay a couch potato and just watch other people surpass you. Which is pretty Pretty profound wisdom to have as someone at eight. What are you, 18, 19, 18 years old? 18, 18. And what, what's crazy about that, too, is like as you described that, you mentioned kind of getting into the flipping piece of it. The way kind of American society and American culture works is if, if a kid is really motivated and wants to be really great at something, it's usually a sport that's going to get them a college scholarship, going to get them a college education. And if there's professional sports available, if it's a major sport, to try to get to that level. But when you got into the flipping aspect and really just kind of being <laughs> – an air acrobat for the lack of a better phrase, hybrid athlete. I, I don't imagine you probably was like, I'm doing this so I can go to college for free. It was just like, I want to be the best at this as possible. I don't really know where it ends. I just kind of love doing this, which is right. very unique. And that probably gets in in a second to like the way you discovered track later in life. But when you got kind of fascinated and infatuated with being able to do flips and all that, there wasn't really an end goal, right? You just wanted to be as as good as possible because there's no, you know, American Flipping League, NCAA Division One stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, was there an end goal to it, or you just wanted to be awesome at it? 
No, you're you're exactly right. I knew that the sport the sport is officially called tricking, but it's as unofficial as a sport can get. You know what I mean? There's so that is a it is a sport called tricking. Yeah, it's a sport okay. called tricking, but it's so like niche. It's kind of like when skateboarding in the '80s, like people did it, but like okay. people it wasn't like a sport. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, a lot of people see it as like totally unofficial, and I get that. There was there's you can't really like make money off of it unless, of course, you start like a website to where you can um, like make videos and have people pay you have a paywall. But yeah, there was just no end goal. I just like, oh, I just got to be as good as, as good as flips as possible. If there I had to say like my goal of it would probably be to just like record flips, m- maybe get a cool angle of them and then maybe blow up on Instagram. But at that, I think that was a bit foolish because that's not necessarily how the algorithm works. And I think the past couple of months I've been really been trying to study the algorithm of YouTube shorts, uh, TikTok, instagram reels to see what what kind of like toying around like what works what gets the most views what do people uh want thumbnail what thumbnail do people want to click on things like that so i guess you can call me like a clout chaser but a clout chaser with morals because i know there's a lot of people out there who do like some crazy stuff just to pull a lot of views but um i like to have i know where i stand i know there's lines that i will not cross i have morals there's a moral compass that i follow and I want to do it the right way. I t- definitely want to do it the right way. But anyway, back to the uh, flips and stuff. I def- definitely didn't have an end goal. But as I kind of went on, I-, I realized that I needed to – if I'm if i going to do this flips thing, I need to apply it to something. I need to apply it to football. I need to apply it to doing trick shots with the football. I need to apply it to track and field. I posted a video where I was doing long jump. But instead of just doing the regular long jump, I did like a front flip with it. So stuff like that. You know, stuff like that, I think I really found a better way to mix everything together. And that's also how I kind of like came to the conclusion of, okay, hybrid athlete, don't just post flips on my Instagram because I used to only post flips. Post all your talents and it's going to draw more viewers in. It's going to make people think that you're more impressive and maybe attractive NIL deals, stuff like that. And that's a very interesting way to describe it. You mentioned tricking being like a very unofficial sport, no really end goal. But even like with newer sports, like I know everyone loves to shit on pickleball these days, but like there you can find a pickleball court. There's a pickleball league when you're like training for the tricking aspect of stuff. Like what like how did you figure out where to train, what to do? Would you just go in a field like where's the ideal place to learn how to do that? So um, that's a good question. Some um, some very big cities like New York City has one. It's it's a gym. It's really just a glorified gymnastic center. And what they do, it's a gymnastic center, and they'll have, like, some parkour stuff. You know what parkour is. Yeah, they yeah. They climb on walls and stuff. They'll have a spring floor. Well, they'll call it, like, a tricking gym where they they don't really have coaches, but they have people that kind of have dabbled in flips. But you can't really – they don't ever have, like, coaches that really are good at flips that also have, you know, lived long enough to know how to own a building and, like, start, like, a business, like, success, successful gym in the middle of, like, a big city. You know, so – they're very rare to see. So I guess most of the people, like 90% of the people in the sport are stuck to just finding a field and hoping it doesn't rain that day. That's all it is. And just looking up YouTube videos and like how to do this flips, how to, how to do this certain flip. And hopefully th- does this flip connect to another flip in a similar way, in a similar manner. And that's just, that's just how I learned. If you have a bad rep in basketball, that means you probably missed a shot or threw a pass out of bounds. If you have a bad rep in football, your man got beat or you dropped a football, or you made a bad pass. In tricking, if you have a bad rep, you could break your, like, neck or some crazy shit. That's like, exactly how do you – like, how dangerous is the practice? Like, if you had any close calls, like, how do you avoid getting seriously injured as you're trying to learn something? Absolutely. So, um, I've never really been injured 
technically I've, I've i've actually like had like a slight compression fracture in my wrist because i was on like super uh hard like concrete and i tried to do like a flip where i landed on my hand and just kind of crushed a little bit but i was only out for a month and i just did stuff like that didn't require my hand but a very very close call one day was after school i went i said okay i'm gonna do some flips before swim practice because i was doing high school swim and i said i want to do a double back flip I had only ever done a double backflip once on trampoline, and I was trying to do it on the ground. So I'm on the spring floor. I'm, like, hyping myself up. I'm like, dude, just do it. It's all muscle, bro. It's all muscle. So I run up, and I do the worst setup to it. I was doing, like, a round-off double backflip. I did the worst round-off of my life, but I was already, like, halfway committed. I said, oh, if I don't, like, fully commit here, it could potentially end up a lot worse. So I kind of fully committed, even though, like, threw my head completely back, um, and I, I just – barely got over my head i like hit my forehead it pressed it pressed my nose into my face my knees hit the ground hard i had like bruised knees bruised face like, i had a bloody nose it was it was pretty bad but i'm just super lucky i got over my head but i i posted a, a video of it on my instagram and it's actually kind of funny because my my friend is gonna like as soon as he sees me like not make it over he just lets out less like blood curdling gasp it's like kind of horrible but it's a bit funny at the same time but other than that um i've had like a sprained ankle but that's not really a big deal at all but i yeah people are surprised to hear that i've never really been injured really we will get back to cruise in just a second but i wanted to take a quick break to remind you this podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life does not come with a user manual, so if it's not working for you, it can be, feel normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, becoming a new parent, whatever you may have on your mind, it can be a lot sometimes. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy service. It has helped match 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, and it's all 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just go online, fill out a brief questionnaire to match with the therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to another one. And again, it's 100% online. Therapy is just like anything else. We put gas in our cars. We change the oil. We do regular maintenance on our cars. Our brains are no different. Therapy is a great way to make sure you, yourself, and your mind are functioning at peak capacity. Go online to betterhelp.com slash mpw. That is betterhelp.com slash mpw for 10% off today. Podcast is also brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs of flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting with friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that feels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Their college football special is now live on the site. They're posting analysis for the upcoming NFL and NCAA football season to make you a sharper and smarter better. And right now, if you buy the NFL uh, picks package, you get 50% off by using the promo code 23. That's an addition to the promo code RIPPY 
that gets you 20% off any picks package. You're never going to make money in the wrong run if you're in the wagering game going based off your own lean. Skybox are the professionals. It is a foolproof algorithm. It is based off the math. They profit every single year. You need to get on the Skybox sports bet train and not lose money this year for a change and instead profit. They send it to you in a color-coded spreadsheet once you sign up for a picks package categorized by unit, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before sky- signing up for Skybox Sports Picks. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Rights subscriber, that's rippyrights.substack.com. Get a newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. Three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. That's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks. Go in, show Greg proof of subscription, then go find all your own favorites. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious seafood, incredible cuts of meat, awesome sausages. It is the best butcher shop in the world. Go throw something delicious on the grill. It's a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Cruzo Goose. Did people in Cleveland, Mississippi think you were crazy for training something like this? Like, I can't imagine you can go just get a group of guys and be like, let's go train to get flips. I imagine this is a pretty much a solo act, which is pretty admirable that you were that committed to it. But like, how do you describe that to people? Did people are like, this guy's nuts. He's just trying to be a ninja. <laughs> yeah. So um, every time I'm like walking to schools in high school, people are like, oh, that's the flip guy. That's the flip guy, especially at the public school where there was way more people. But when I switched over to the private school, everyone knew me. Everyone just called me by my name. And it was, it was, it was nice, but. Frequently, I'll have people like when I they they're like, no, oh, that's where Cruzo Goose trains. It's like the walking trail outside. Don't stay. I'll see people okay. like rolling up and what's up, Cruz? They're like recording me and stuff. And I was just like, like I'll pretty much every time I do flips, I'm on someone's Snapchat story. Like, oh, there's Cruzo Goose getting his flips in. So it's kind of funny too. But uh, yeah, it's 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 cool being kind of a small town where people kind of know you like that because again, that that helps you get exposure. If you have people that do know you, they have your Snapchat, they have your Instagram, they tag you. That's more people coming in, more unknown, non-mutual friends that they can see that they can link to your social media. So it's good at the same time. I've come through your social media as well. And of course, there's a very rigorous physical aspect in terms of training and weightlifting and your diet and all of that. You learn to do the flip aspect. You clearly have like the natural ability to do it. How did you learn the dietary side, what you need to do lifting wise? How how did that facet of what you do come along? So um, I never really... I guess aggressively lifted, like really put my passion into lifting until about November. I remember. Um, I was about to say, I saw a deadlift video of you doing like 585. I was going to say, you can't say you don't aggressively lift well, pumping well, those kind of numbers. I, I was like, I really wanted to get like heavy. I really wanted to get like heavy squat, heavy power clean, heavy, <laughs> heavy deadlift or whatever. But I wasn't so much into the, I guess the body. I was into power lifting, but not necessarily like bodybuilding where you're isolating each muscle trying to individually grow and not just lift as much weight as possible. But um, I kind of even stopped powerlifting over the summer of 2022 because we, we'd lift weights a little bit, but I kind of slack off in the the weight room during uh, football training in 2022. We won't – I hope the co- hope the coaches don't see this, but, <laughs> but it's whatever. Um, I, 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 that, that ship has sailed. But I remember I took a video of myself kicking a field goal in November of 2022. I was like, dude, I look kind of small. I look kind of small. So I got to <laughs> So I hit the gym. I started this diet and it was called um, the the carnivore diet, but I don't 100% follow the carnivore diet. I do like it like maybe 85% of the way. Pretty much what the carnivore diet is, is you eat only meat and things in high in protein like eggs. You can have eggs and and stuff like that. But um, you can eat like a little bit of vegetables too, because that's where I get the majority of my carbs is. Vegetables, you get your vitamins in. I don't eat fruit. I don't eat fruit at all. It's high in fat too. Pretty much how it works is you get your energy reserves from the fat while having low 
carbs to where you can lose fat on your body at the same time because how your body works is if you eat a bunch of fat and a bunch of carbs, the carbs are like a wall. So you burn carbs before you even can get to the fat on your body. But I gained a, so much size from that. I started in November. I guess, gained a lot of size from it. I've gained more vascularity. Like my, my fat uh, has definitely, my fat percentage has definitely dropped. I think I'm like uh, eight, 9% body fat right back uh, right now. And I'm like, I was like 12, 13 back then. So yeah, definitely pretty good. You had mentioned learning all of this and then was like, okay, I need to apply it to something. Clearly, obviously you graduate, grad, gravitated towards track and football. The football aspect, you being a kicker, you're obviously very talented, like with your leg and have a strong leg, but particularly at like the private school level, um, I just figured someone would be like, man, this kid jumps off walls. He does flips. Let's stick his ass at receiver and see how high he can jump to go get the football. How did yeah. you become a kicker versus somewhere else, like another position? Well, um, at the public school that I used to go to for the private school, I only did kicker. I don't think anyone, everyone knew I could do flips, but they didn't really expect much of me from like, I guess a skill position and they didn't really want me to get hurt because I was the only kicker that they have. And in public school, there's kind of a lack of, of kickers that are really dedicated to it. Yeah. But when I switched, I ran track. They, they discovered I was pretty good in the hundred meters. Like, Oh, he's fast. Let's stick him at running back. So they stuck me at running back and they stuck me at corner and kicker. So I was on the field pretty much hundred percent of the time and it definitely got tiring, but um, yeah, th- th- I had some pretty good stats at running back too. And I guess, uh, if the kicker thing didn't work out or the track and field thing didn't work out, maybe I could try to walk on somewhere as, as a running back. Did you like being a running back? Because, you know, you do the flips and all of that. You have the track aspect. There's, you know, you can be fast, but running back's a whole different deal. Was there a piece of you was like, hey, this getting hit every play, this shit sucks. Like, I'd prefer to be a kicker. Did you like running back, though? I'll tell you what, I absolutely loved running back until okay. Saturday morning. Until Saturday morning. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm telling you, I like bruises all over the body. I I get hurt. It hurt, but then I got back on my feet and kept going. But it's fun. It was definitely fun. I'm glad I got to experience one year of high school football actually like scoring touchdowns and stuff. So it was definitely cool. And I had some had a couple pretty good runs too that I'm very proud of. So I, I think I loved it when the announcer would just call your name like all the time. It's just it's definitely something I think a lot of people should should experience that play football. A lot of your Instagram and your social media profile is you doing very ridiculous flips and stuff before you kick a football. I think I watched one where you did like, I'm going to screw up the terminology. So forgive me because I'm a newbie here, but like two basically flips off one foot. And then you go into a kick. I watched you make a field goal where the follow through on the kick, you just went into a flip, but like, there is still an art of like learning how to kick a football in general. Like, did you have to learn the chicken before the egg type thing? Did you learn how to kick a football before you did the trick shot or did it come simultaneously kind of like learning Turkish and English at the same time? (laughs) Yes. So, um, like I said, I, I started like kicking a football, maybe like fifth or sixth grade, just like kicking over power lines. And I just kind of kept going to the point where I could kick like 30, 40, even like 50 yard field goals when I was in like, when I was in like eighth grade. I remember the first time I hit a 50 yard field goal when I was in eighth grade. And then, um, I, most did you the, learn on your own or did someone teach you? Because they have kicking coaches and stuff now and you have a 50 yard field goal in eighth grade. Is that self-taught? That that's self-taught. I did have um, the first time I ever had a kicking coach was my freshman year. It was the DSU kicker Taylor Crabtree. He helped me out a couple, maybe like he probably helped me out like for a couple weeks. But he then he had to like because he graduated and he went off back to like Biloxi or something where he's from. But he kind of like helped me get on the right path, and he kind of not and uh, just as much as he helped me with the technicality aspects, he helped me with like going into 
college and what to expect from college football and stuff like that. So I was very grateful for him, but it's pretty much almost all self self talk. Okay, sorry, I derailed you. Explain to me how the uh, the the trick aspect of it comes in once yeah. you learn how to kick a football. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was just kind of kicking, and then one day I said, "Oh, let me let me mix a flip." So every time I, I want to post something on Instagram, I'm never really gonna post like just the field goal unless it's like a 65 yard field goal or I'm like kicking I'll throw balls like I call it kicking roulette I'll throw them the balls wherever I want to and then I'll just like kick like five of them back to back on with rolling camera so you know I made all of them I'll either post that or I'll post like a really far field goal uh I won't ever post just like a normal so but I will spice it up a little bit like I said I want what's going to make people want to bite. So I want to see people, I want the thumbnail to be me midair doing like a gainer or something while you can see the ball coming off my foot. That's what's going to get people to bite, you know what I mean? And like a trendy audio. So um, the first time I ever tried doing a trick shot with a football was back in, uh, everything's in November, isn't it? I really really started working as soon as uh, football season ended, my high school football season ended. But that was the first time I ever did like a backflip into a kick because I saw this guy, Young Way Koo. He's an Atlanta Falcons kicker. And he, what he did was he like spun the ball with his feet and he ran up and did a gainer with it. I was like, dude, I got to do that. So I did that and I tried to post it on uh, Twitter or whatever. And it didn't blow up or anything like I would hope to, but he got like 10 million views and NFL contract because of that video. But uh, is I that am. actually how young way Koo got in the NFL? I know he went to Georgia Southern was a small time kicker. So he blew up and got that contract because of that. That's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Georgia Southern was like a, a division two college at the time. Yeah. Now it's D one. And uh, that really, I think, put him on the map as far as um, being the first, I guess, uh, what was he, South Korean, South Korean yeah. kicker or something in the NFL. So people, like, not only, I guess, want to have more diversity for some reason, but also just because it's so interesting to have that, like, 10 million views, I think it got. But, um, yeah, so that's how, I guess, how it definitely helped him. And you're in that perfect prime spot generation of – probably the most social media savvy generation we've had growing up. I'm roughly 10 years older than you, um, which makes me sound like a fossil. I swear to God, I'm not that old. But like, I remember I got on Twitter for the first time in like eighth grade and it was like a very new thing. No one knew how to work it. My God, if if the stuff that we tweeted in middle school was still like not deleted and available, I'd probably never have a job ever. We just didn't know how it worked. So we just put all kinds of stuff out there. We would like tweet each other about come to this party, blah, blah, blah. No one knew how it worked. I mean, we were fresh off like AIM direct messaging. But I feel like as I got older and I worked in the media space and I learned how to like be a little bit more savvy with social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter. I mean, hell, being I used to be a full-time reporter. Now I'm part-time, but like, learning how to use Twitter. That's a big part of your job. But the whole, like, I'm going to be an online internet sensation and social media personality. I feel like when I was coming through that era and your age, people were like, man, what's this guy's deal? Why doesn't he get a real job? But people have gotten so savvy with that now and people understand how much you can monetize it. I feel like if you want to call it a stigma, that stigma has gone to where someone as you is that young of an age can realize pretty quickly, hey, there's actually like mo- there's a monetary value in this and you can make a decent bit of money, you know, being popular online for the lack of a better phrase. Like, how did you figure out like, hey, people want to watch this and I can make money doing this, if that makes any sense? Yeah. So, like I said, it started out with the passion of flips. And then when I realized if I can get people to bite on something, I can get views. It wasn't just about the views. If If I knew that I wasn't going to make any sort of money on at the end goal. I didn't want it because I don't want just like a bunch of views, but like, what's it worth? You know what I mean? And when yeah. I heard that the NIL, because the NIL thing, when was that? That was like, that was a couple years ago. 
It was like July of 21, and it was off to the races after that. Yeah, exactly. I said, all right, they're doing this thing now. I could potentially make money from doing the things that I can do. So, you know, a couple, couple of years go by, I'm, I'm posting all these things. I'm thinking, I, I if I study the algorithm as good as possible, and I keep saying it, get people to buy, get people to buy. The more views I get, more uh, more followers I get. The higher that follower uh, thing goes up, the more influence I have. The more influence I have, the more it's going to attract companies. And the, the more companies I have, the more money I'm going to get. So that's just kind of like the thing behind that. I know when I say it, it kind of makes me sound like, I don't know, it kind of sounds like I want, I'm being a little bit greedy, but uh, like I said, I definitely. But it's want the to name it of the right game. Way. That's how the whole thing works. Yeah, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's just what it is. <laughs> I love that. So you got into track late. You mentioned like you'd only done it like two years, and you turned it into an SEC scholarship. You mentioned you ran the hundred meter. Uh, I read in. I, I may not have this right, but at college, what are you running? Are you a pole vaulter? No, I'm a decathlete. So decathlete, pretty much what that is is, uh, it's a it's two sprints. It's a uh, four hundred. It's the mile. It's the javelin, pole vault, discus, shot put, high jump, and long jump. All in one. It's 10. Yeah, so decathlon means 10, 10, 10, uh, 10 events. How in the world do you get into a role like that? Well, I, I guess they saw all the stuff that I did, and they're like, that's our guy. He does all that stuff, he, he, and that's exactly what a decathlete should be. And actually, a lot of people on that one hybrid athlete post that I did that's, like, approaching a million views, everyone's saying, like, oh, dude, you got to be a decathlete. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's what I'm doing. So that's what it is. But anyway, um, it's how, how it is. They break it up into two days for the meet. So you do five events one day and uh, five events the next day. You end it off with the hardest one. You end it off with the mile. That's everyone's least favorite one. But, um, yeah, you pr pretty much – how we practice for it we'll uh if we have five practices a week we'll do train two things a day and you know that's that's him so we talked about earlier about like kind of kids you know eighth grade they're like i want to be a college basketball player training strictly for that you didn't really have a lot of time to think about it were you shocked of like oh man i've done all this stuff they want me to be a decathlete and i can actually go to college on a scholarship was that surprising to you at all absolutely i remember when I was growing up, I never wanted to go to college. I did not want to go to college whatsoever. Really? Yeah, and I, I wanted to, what I was telling my parents is the only possible way, the only possible way I'm going to college is, is if I become an SEC athlete. That's the only way I'm going to do it. What and, are you going to do if not? So what I, my plan was, I, I've always been into business. I've always wanted to start my own business. And um, it was just to do that and continue on with, the, I guess, the flips because I was super into flips yeah, still. Yeah. And I just wanted to blow up on Instagram. It, kind of the same thing it is now, but it, now it's just a lot easier because I have this um, ways or these ways to expose myself. And I, I realized that I should have been I wasn't even training hard to be an SEC athlete. It's kind of popped into my life. And thank goodness it did, because it was a bit foolish to not work hard for it, because I didn't realize how easy it would be because everyone's looking at the SEC. Absolutely everybody. And once I get on that football field next year, after the end of the game, after the end of a big win, me doing those gainer switches millions of views that's my plan millions of views of people seeing that it's going to blow up everywhere i think my plan is for everyone to know cruzo goose you know and then that's where it's, everything's going to come in i just want to be as exposed as possible and i don't want any of it to get in my head i want it to, I, along the way i want to hold my morals and inspire as many people as i possibly can to tell people that you can do it if this guy can do the, this 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 many things then maybe i can too and it's going to make for a better world not just for a better life for me you mentioned the SEC aspect of it too. 
is having that foresight where you realizing that all eyes are on the SEC. I was a kid that grew up going to Ole Miss football games. I just kind of knew what the SEC was, but your parents are Turkish. Your father swam at Delta State. Like, I can't imagine you were like going to Mississippi State or Ole Miss football games every weekend. And you probably didn't like have the same, like the same understanding at a young age of just like how big the SEC is. But at a certain point you realize it was like, oh, this is a big deal. And people gravitate towards this to the point where like, this is the only way I'm going to college. At what point were you like, okay, this is actually valuable. I can go to the SEC and I will get eyeballs on me. Well, I'll tell you what, I probably shouldn't say this too loud. Otherwise, uh, people outside of the dorm probably going to come in and try to hurt me. But I grew up <laughs> a huge Ole Miss fan. I loved Ole Miss. Absolutely okay. My mom's friend. He, That'll he make had, our like, listeners box. happy, if nothing else. Yeah. He had, like, bo- box tickets up in the – um you know, in the box seats, and he had, like, yearly seasonal tickets for that, and he used to always take me, and they had, like, the nice buffets up there. So I, I grew up a huge Ole Miss fan. I said – and I pretty much what I was telling my mom is, like, if I'm – you know, if the only way I'm going to college is if I go to the SEC as an athlete, but preferably Ole Miss. But then when Mississippi State kind of popped up, I was like, well, what else am I going to do? You know what I mean? So I was like, ah, oh, I'll take it. And I'm, now I'm on it. And I guess um, it was a – when I first – like signed with Mississippi State, I didn't really realize the opportunities that I had in my plate. It was being served to me on a silver platter. Like I could not have been more lucky. And now that uh, I didn't really realize how lucky I was until when I started training super hard in like November, December for like those months when I'm like, dude, I got to tighten up because the harder I train now, the more it's going to pay off down the line. The more people are going to know about Cruiser Goons. And the whole another thing you just said that made me think of this is, I guess one quick sidebar: Did Ole Miss were they recruiting you at all? Did you get noticed by them, or was State kind of the only path? Yeah, so um, I had a. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Talk, yeah, I'll talk about it. Whatever, who cares? But anyway, um, after <laughs> uh, after I already signed with with State, an Ole Miss coach came to one of my track practices. Like, man, dude, I want to get you. I want to get you on on the football scholarship or whatever. I was like. Listen, man, I'm sorry. I already had signed with uh, – I'm very sorry. I already signed with um, uh, Mississippi State for track and field. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do a little kicking every now and then. And he's like, dude, I don't care about your kicking. I want you to play safety. <laughs> so, so it kind of all the training that I'd done for, for kicking, I guess, didn't really matter. But he wanted me to play, like, safety or, or secondary. For oh, and Miss. football. Uh, yeah, for football, for football. Oh, man, just okay. Of, just because of track speed, just because of track speed. I'm like, well, that's interesting, too. And he, he told me, he said, well, you don't like it at, at Mississippi State for one year. You come on over to Ole Miss. But, you know, saying that <laughs> probably was the unwise decision. But, you know, no, no contact has really been made. He just kind of came and talked to me for a little bit. And once he realized that I would already sign with say, he, he just withdrew, withdrew and he just went on his way. Yeah, no worries. We're not going to get you in any NCAA yeah, trouble yeah. on this podcast. So I was just curious. Yeah. That cracks me up. So what's clear, what's fascinating to me about your story is there's so much new. And, like, you find a new thing, and then you just kind of latch onto it. I imagine at, Bay- at Bayou and the MIS, they don't have decathlons, do they? Like, you, when you do your first competition decathlon at Mississippi State, that will be the first time you've ever done it officially, correct? Absolutely. And a lot of people were like, what did they see in you? Because they didn't have Yeah, exactly. That's what, what I was going to ask. So Coach Woods he sat me down in a chair after I did my visit. All oh, this stuff is amazing. So he got serious for a second. Sat me down. He's like, Cruz, the only reason we are recruiting you right now is because we think you have the air awareness and speed, and we think we can get your strength up enough to do the decathlon. I had done nothing, not even close. I literally was like a sprinter, and I threw the shot put. That's it. I did like two things in high school, and they're like, it was – I'm so it was just so lucky because it was like a perfect cocktail and it 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 
came together at the perfect time because like your air awareness in the flips, that's going to be perfect for the pole vault, for the high jump, and for all, all those things you need to do for jumping and the strength for shot put. And then obviously I'm, I'm pretty good at the sprint. So it's just perfect cocktail, like I said, man. You mentioned as we kind of wrap up here, you've mentioned a couple of times the video that you went super viral on. I've obviously seen it, but describe for the listeners out there what that video was, how it blew up and your reaction to it. Yeah, so I saw guys, uh, Jack Venice's thing on Instagram about hybrid athlete. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can make one of those videos. So I literally, as soon as I saw that in the morning, got a cup of coffee down, made, I edit, started editing some of the videos and I posted it with a trendy audio. And pretty much what it is, is, is a video of me um, kicking a football, kick, doing a 65 yard field goal, some kickoffs in there, um, doing some martial arts tricking. I do like a push up and then I go into like, while I'm doing push up stance, I do a front flip out of that. And uh, then what it is, it's like all my track stuff. It's, you know, winning 10, 800 meter dash, 10, 700 meter dash, me uh, getting second place in the MIS state shot put, me winning the uh, winning the 100 and state champion shot put, and then me with the trophy state. And then uh, what else is in there? It's some videos of me like jumping out of a pool, like shallow into the pool with the thing like this high, and I jump out of the pool. And a lot of people thought that was pretty cool. But it's kind of stuff like that. I can't remember all the, the clips I put in there, but I, I, I just I'm lucky that – it came together at the right time to for the algorithm to, you know, all the studying of the algorithm really let it kind of go. Because I, I remember I woke up, I was like, oh, okay, hopefully that blows up. I posted it that night, and then I uh, woke up the next morning, 30,000 views. I'm like, whoa, that's a new record because the, the most I'd ever had was 20,000 views. And then uh, day kept going on, 50,000 views. I'm like, oh, guys, let's hit 100 maybe. A couple of days later, it was 100,000 views. And then it's like kept multiplying. It kept like squaring. The amount of views just were squared. And then – uh, two thousand, two hundred thousand views, six hundred thousand views, hit seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, and then now in a couple of days it's gonna hit a million. So, you know, if that keeps blowing up, I think it's what I really wanted. Because I remember in twenty twenty, I, I that's when I first started doing YouTube. I really wanted to blow up on YouTube in twenty twenty. I remember I asked, I told my mom that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going on, I'm rambling a bit. No, but, no, uh, this is great, dude. Keep keep it rolling. I told my mom that. All right, mom, if I if I don't uh. If, if I blow up on uh, YouTube, if I make start making like a good amount of money on YouTube, if I, if I make more money than you guys, in fact, then I don't have to go to college. <laughs> I really wanted to. I really wanted to blow. I did not want to go to college that bad because it was just school to me. It's like it's just school. That's forty thousand dollars like down the drain. But um, my mom was like, oh, yeah, OK. You know, thinking I couldn't really do it. But she's you know, she believed in me. She, she entertained the idea. And I said, it all takes is one video. It takes one video to blow up. I remember telling my friend. I would always just go on like walks. I was always very passionate when I talked about the things that I wanted in life. If I one video blows up, I'm actually just going to like have tears of joy. I was so passionate about it. And three years later, I finally had that one video that hit a million views. I didn't cry of joy. It was kind of like, oh, well, I've been working hard towards it. I'm, I'm glad to finally see it happen. But it's it's kind of unreal. I, I, went, I went on a walk last night. They had the Davis Davis Wade Stadium lights on the football field. I was walking around the pond where no one was, and I just sat there. I just stared at the lights of Davis Wade, and I'm like, "I got it. I did it, man. I did it. I'm gonna be in there next next year. I'm gonna. It's gonna life's gonna work out, and it's finally starting to get to that point where I can where I can uh, achieve my dreams that I've always wanted to do." You became one of the top kicking prospects in the country, and as someone who's covered college football for quite a while now. Like we're, I follow recruiting somewhat closely, but like kicker is a weird spot because it's not like, like I remember when DK Metcalf came through Oxford high school. It's like, all right, that kid's going to be sick in college. There's really not a ton of question kicker. There's a lot more variance. 
And I know you were a good kicker, but did you feel like the fact that you blew up social media wise helped your status as a football kicker at all? Did you see any correlation between the two? Absolutely. I think um, the level of kicking has gotten, you know, a little bit better in that little time that I blow up, but I can really attribute it to all the posts that I've been doing on Twitter. So many like football, like SEC fans, like, oh, dude, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Like uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, they did a segment on me. um, (laughs) Former uh, employer, I used to work there. They're awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, Outkick, they did a thing on me, and a lot of people saw those um, saw those articles and uh, in the video and on the radio. They heard it on the radio, and they were like always repost my stuff, and it just kind of gained traction. I think I had a video that hit like ninety thousand views or something, and that definitely helped out. It was just me, you know, doing a backflip and do a kick. But um, yeah, so that's that definitely ha- has helped people thinking that I'm like a really good kicker. You know, why football next year? Why not immediately? Well, so um, I kind of really wanted to focus on track for the first okay. year. I, I did tell the coaches on the track team that if I got the shot to be on the football team, it's what I really want to do. And I would definitely like balance both. I try to find a way to balance both at the same time. And they were like, yeah, man, if you could find a way to just like do it in the spring, like that's that's totally cool. You know, it, it'd be even though in the spring is where like track is at its highest, you know what I mean? It that's like right in the middle of when track practice starts is in September and football season. It just wouldn't work out so well. So I um, decided I'm going to really focus on track for the first year. And then towards when track is kind of like ramping down in the middle of spring, when spring training's going on, I think is when I'm going to uh, start going on in football. So, yeah. So as we wrap up here, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned you didn't necessarily want to go to college unless you could make it worth your while and be an SEC athlete. You're clearly very savvy, very business-minded. Uh, I don't like school either. It was for nerds. Uh, I ended up doing grad school, but it was strictly for a job, and I was like, my God, get me out of here. How do you kind of <laughs> think about the future? Like, what is Cruz Ogu's doing in 10 years? Because your path is very unique. It's not like, oh, this kid will be in the NFL, or this kid will do this. Like, do you think about it that far in advance? What do you like? What do you want out of your future five, 10 years from now? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think about it all the time. Like, it's on my mind 24-7. Um, I guess if I had to say anything, it'd be that with the more exposure that I get now in college, the the better it's going to set me up for the future. Obviously, Michael Jordan, um, Shaquille O'Neal, they're making more money now than they ever have in the NBA. So if I can get to a point where I can have enough exposure and maybe go to the NFL, maybe go to the Olympics if I get good enough, I can get so many brand deals and I don't know, maybe start a clothing line. I want to start my own. I, I, like I said, I want to start my own business too, because I know that, I mean, the stuff that I do, it's a young man's game. I know that I, I'm not going to be able to do it. Forever. You can't do it at 50. I wouldn't think if you I, can, we'll have to get you back on the podcast. That'd be pretty sick. Absolutely. So if I can start a business centered around, I've always wanted to start a business. Like I said earlier, if I can now, what's going to help me start that business, if I can center it around the athletic stuff, if I can start an athletic business, clothing brands, freaking Cruzo Goose coffee brand, you know, something like that. If I can have that go up, I can I can have more assets and keep making money even if I can't do all the stuff that I can now in the future. So that's kind of the plan there. Um, as far as what I'm studying in college, I'm, I want to do like sports psychology, but instead I'm doing communications because I know I'm, I'm pretty good in front of a camera and I'm pretty good in, you know with studying the algorithm and maybe, I don't know, news broadcast or somewhere down the line. I don't know, just kind of like a, a backup plan, like a net. But how I like to think of it is I'm 100% want to go on the path 
that I want to go on. I'm, there's no there's no plan B for me because I always like to think of it. Let me ask you this question. Sure. If you're, if you're on a tightrope over the Grand Canyon and there's a net underneath you, are you more likely to fall if there's a safety net underneath you? It's like, oh, I'll be fine if I fall. Or are you more likely to fall if there's no safety net? Like, oh, I got to do this. I absolutely have to get over it. Which one are you more likely to fall? Well, might be asking the wrong guy. I feel like I'd be more likely to fall if there's a safety net because I'd feel better about it. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. So that's how I think about life. If there's a safety net underneath, then I'm not 100% focused on it. I'm never 100% focused on it because if men, as men especially, if you're in the situation where you have to pull it off, you're a different type of animal. And that's how I like to see it. That's what I want to go about in life. I have to pull it off. I got to do it. I got to do it. You might be the first podcast guest in history to flip the pot on me and ask me a question, which is just an absolute okay. baller move. Now, before I actually let you get out of here, we'll just get down to the big J hardo questions that I had saved for the end. You okay. seem like a nice kid. Not that you would ever get into an altercation, but should someone try to challenge you, would you just start doing flips and shit until they're like, never mind, I'm not screwing with this guy? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people in the Instagram like, oh, dude, don't want to fight this guy. This guy's got the martial arts tricking. But really, I can't fight at all. Like, like there's no way. So my, my, the thing is, it's like an intimidation factor. Like, you've seen, like, some bulldogs, like, some dogs that, that'll bark, like, real loud at you. But when you get up to them, they're like, they'll, like, let you pet them and whatnot. And they're, like, the sweetest thing ever. That's kind of like what I am. You know what I mean? So if I can uh, intimidate them with the flips, like, scare them off, like, uh, you know what I mean? That that would be what I do because I, I have very little experience in fighting. I did um I actually did MMA for a summer in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, with uh Nick Delahousie. Shout out to all of them, you know. Uh, I don't mean to plug on your podcast, but yeah, shout out, definitely shout out to all of them. They uh they trained me up for about a couple months, but then I did I realized I didn't really like getting punched in the face, so I so I bounced. Looks like last thing, it looks like you got a roommate back there who's been a good sport as we've done oh, the yeah. podcast in your dorm room. I kept him much longer than I uh, yeah. imagined. Will you just come in and start bouncing off the walls? And he's like, what the hell is up with this dude? Is he flipping off the walls? Do you ever try anything in the dorm room? Yeah. He's laughing about it. He's laughing about it. It might be a bit crazy. One night, it might get a little bit crazy. I might start doing flips in here. Who knows? I got, I got a nice bouncy thing on here a nice bouncy mattress so who knows what's gonna happen on that thing but uh uh yeah i might i might anger the uh the downstairs neighbors but actually rory he's he's a national champion hell so, yeah shout out to yeah, rory back there in the background yeah yeah so it's uh not the person who would typically be in the background of a video but i uh man this has been awesome i really appreciate your time before i let you go you mentioned plug and plug away where can people find you where can people figure out where your content is give them everything that they can find you channels wise absolutely so instagram is cruz.oguz c-r-u-z dot o-g-u-z twitter is just cruz.oguz the first one that's going to pop up um i guess i'll do my snapchat too because that's free exposure um c-r-u-z underscore oguz and then twitter is also yeah i said twitter already but yeah that's that's all everything right there please make sure to follow me i, I would really appreciate everything I, I i really appreciate you having me on the podcast too i really thank you you're one of the first people to have me on the podcast i'm, I'm excited because i think it's gonna definitely help kick off my career a little bit i guess absolutely man this is terrific man i appreciate the time you be well and i'll be rooting for you thank you so much man and that's going to do it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed that interview. He seems like a great kid. I am uh, looking forward to continuing to follow his story. I was fascinated by the interview. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We got more coming for you this weekend. Going to check in with LB's Greg, get back to some fall camp stuff early next week. And the uh, season is uh, less than two weeks away, depending on when you're listening to this. So thanks for tuning in as always. We'll be back 
at it soon. Have a wonderful weekend.